in today's show. We're looking back at the season for the San Antonio Spurs. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're here to look at the San Antonio Spurs season. Probably did a little bit better than some people thought. Didn't end up making the playoffs. And at the time of me recording this, I don't know whether Greg Popovich is going to be back for the next season. A big announcement could have happened and I could be talking here without knowing. Because I'm recording these in advance, as most of you are well aware. But we're going to talk back. We're going to not talk back. We're going to look back at the Spurs season. See what we can glean out of that. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Spurs. They finished the year... 34 and 48 in the ninth spot in the lottery. Of course, they keep that lottery pick because they didn't end up making the playoffs through the play-in. Wild that they could have had the 15th pick, but they end up with you know, potentially the ninth pick because all of those teams um, in the uh, that were ahead of them um, are ahead of them still. Those teams in the west, in the east, sorry, like Washington, New York, Charlotte, Cleveland, those sort of teams all finish with better records, so they push them right down to the to a potential top 10 pick which is pretty interesting. They also have two other firsts. Pick 21 from the Raptors and pick 24 from the Celtics um, in the Thad Young and Derek White deals. So three first rounders plus a premium um, second rounder from the Lakers, pick 38. Yes, they've lost their own pick 39, but that's a good second round pick. So they've got a really, really strong draft hand here heading into the draft, of course. In terms of the offseason, Lonnie Walker's their big name free agent. He's a restricted free agent. And by big name, I mean he's got a big name. Is he a good player? No, he's not. Can he develop into one? I'm not sure. It's been four years and we've never really seen it. I wouldn't prioritize bringing him back, especially when you've got Vassell, you've got Richardson, you've got Primo, you've got Murray. Like, Where does Walker even fit on this team? I don't think it's in a great spot. It depends on what his offer is. Of course, you've got those rights and you can look to that. But yeah, if someone wants to overpay him and give him like 10 to 15 million a year, then uh, see you later. I would not bother with that if I was the Spurs. There are also a couple of non-guarantees, which I think they'll end up guaranteeing Zach Collins for 7.3. We didn't know when he'd come back or if he'd come back. Thought he played well. Not sure he's a starting caliber player in the NBA, but a very, very useful reserve. You got Cater Bates Diop at 1.9 million. I don't think he's all that good, but for that for that price sure. Trey Jones at 1.8 million non-guaranteed. Absolutely. And then Jockey Landale, who maybe, maybe not, 1.6 million. He was fine, but third string center behind Collins and Pirtle. Not sure they'll not sure they'll bring him back. They got Wieskamp, uh, Kachok, uh, DJ Stewart, and Robert Woodard, who are all restricted guys. Some of those two-way players there as well. I think Wieskamp will be back. The others, I'm not necessarily certain about. But in terms of how the Spurs season looked offensively, they were 18th and 16th defensively. So right in the middle of the pack, they did um, massively underperform their expected win-loss, which was 41-41. That's seven games under. That's that's pretty big. Means they had some pretty big losses 
um, in those games. Also, some pretty big wins in some of those games that they won, which pushed their net rating up. But that's, that is a big, big difference to be seven games under your expected win-loss because they ended with a positive net rating of 0.1, yet with 34 and 48. That is a pretty significant change, a pretty significant difference there. But what does this team do in the offseason? If Pop goes, I think they should be looking at a complete teardown, but what do you tear down? Like they don't, It's not like they have these great players who are aging. They've got a young core who's keeping themselves afloat. I don't really know what they do. They get some lottery luck, then things turn around completely. But I don't really know where they, what sort of moves. They've got a little bit of free agency and cap space here. I don't really know where they go from here and, and what their direction is. And I think a lot of that is going to be determined by Greg Popovich. Let's talk about DeJounte Murray, because he was obviously fantastic this year. I completely underestimated what he'd be able to do. We knew that there would have to be some usage taken on by guys with DeMar DeRozan leaving. I thought more of that would go towards Johnson and White, but most of it went to Murray. He played 35 minutes a night. He averaged 21, 8, and 9. Two steals, 46 and 79. We talked about him on the Bust Show and the Most Improved Show a week or so ago and talked about how he had improved. He still has some struggles with three-point volume. Doesn't take many of them. Doesn't hit many of them. 33% from deep, only four attempts per game. The steals somehow stayed up. And the efficiency and that stayed up while that usage skyrocketed. I think I'm a little, again, 11th ranked player, 7th in points leagues, averaged almost 50 points per game. I am a little concerned that he's 25. I don't know whether Murray will, people will take him in the first round next year for sure. I am not convinced that a 21, 8, and 9 line with two steals is replicable, especially combining that usage with those steals. At some point, I feel like something will drop. That's my worry. I, I, And that end of the first round is going to be iffy. He was great. He did tail a little bit as the season went on. But I worry that those assist numbers might drop, the steal numbers might drop, the efficiency might drop. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not ready to be 100% convinced. He was second on this team in Raptor. Interestingly, massively a positive offensively, but only a neutral uh, defensively, which not how he really made his name. And same goes for EPM. Massive offensively and huge numbers. 10.7 estimated wins, but only 0.9 on defense. Assist percentage really high, steal percentage really high. Shooting numbers not great, and a lot of what he did with efficiency-wise, he took a lot of mid-range shots. The most shots he took were from mid-range. That's worrying, and he did that at 45%. That's also worrying. Not that he... 45% sh- is a good number, like 77th percentile, that is. But the fact is, is that sustainable? If that goes to 42, and he's not getting to the rim and not finishing well, and he's not taking many threes and not hitting them, then the scoring, the efficiency drops way off. That is, that is a concern to me, that you, most of his shots are mid-rangers, and he got by on a pretty good percentage. That's a little concerning to me. Not saying he's going to drop off terribly, but it's something to look at. Again, he clearly led this team in LeBron advanced metric. His on-off was a plus 2.3. Not as good as some of his other fellow starters, but he was really, really impressive. I just I don't know where he's going to end up at the start of next season. It's going to be a really big question mark, I think. It's not a big question mark, though, the best place to get parts for your car. That is Rock Auto. Why would you bother 
Well, the answer to this is you wouldn't. You wouldn't bother. You know by now. But why would you, hypothetically, theoretically, go to a local chain auto parts store? You're going to go there, line up, wait for the bloke behind the counter, wait for him to talk condescendingly to you. And then he charges you more money, 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts for your car. Get out of here. Rock Auto is a family business serving online auto parts customers for over 20 years, whether that's brake parts or tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Rock Auto has everything that you would need for your car or truck. So check out their website, rockauto.com, and find all of those parts available for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right, locked on, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Next guy we talk about, Jakob Pertl. You know, I'm a big Jakob Pertl fan. Jakob Pertl was a pretty solid draft player this year. He went 77 in Yahoo Leagues. He was much lower in ESPN. He was a guy that I had top three in Defensive Player of the Year a year before. I didn't get him in the top three this year, but he wasn't far off. He played only 29 minutes. There's still upside here for him. 13 and 9, 3 assists, 1.7 blocks, 62 from the field. Unfortunately, he shoots 50 from the line, which is a horrific, horrific number. And I think we have to understand at this point who Pirtle in the past has been, has been a good free throw, or, or not a good, a not horrific free throw shooter. But for some reason, we're talking sub 50s now. And I don't know why, why it's gotten to that level with him, why it's so bad. But I think what we have to do when looking at him is going, well, we assume it's just not going to get better. That this is just going to be who he is from the free throw line. And you know, we have to deal with that accordingly. If we go into a punt free throw scenario, he's the 30th best player. That's a lot of value in that right build at that right time in the draft. A lot of value. And I do think he can actually be better. In a points league, he was the 55th ranked player. There's a value there in him. He led this team in Raptor, plus 4.1 with big defensive ups. EPM, just marginally behind DeJounte plus 3.4 um, EPM. That's 93rd percentile. Finished well at the rim. Doesn't take threes, we know that, and horrific at the line, but massive rebounder, especially offensively. Good shot blocker. Really good defensive player. And again, it was him and DeJounte carrying this team. Like LeBron, numbers, they're just so far ahead of everyone else on this squad that... I, I and But I look at him and I go, well, DeJounte played 35, he played 29. I guess the question I go is, where can DeJounte improve? Maybe. 21 points, maybe to 23. But who is more likely to improve? And I feel like that is Pirtle. Like, I feel like that Jakob Pirtle has got just, honestly, just doing what he's doing now. We're playing two extra minutes, three extra minutes. There's a lot of improvement that can come from him still. He's, and he is only 26. He's a year older. He's not 10 months older than DeJounte. He's not that old. Very interesting development as to if they can push those extra minutes into him. I'll be very intrigued to see whether they do that or not. After that, it's Keldon Johnson, who, for the start of the season, was basically Keldon Johnson. He would score, he would do it inefficiently, and he would do nothing else. No rebounds, steals, assists, or blocks, low threes, and bad percentages. But over the second half of the season, Keldon Johnson improved significantly. He would score 20 points almost every night, he was able to bring a little bit more defensively. And I thought he improved a lot. He averaged 17 and 6 for the year with two threes. Still only two assists, 0.8 steals. Then shot 47 and 76. Like, they're not the greatest numbers. But over his final 37 games, 19, 6 and 3, 47, 79, two and a half threes. It doesn't look that different to what he did, but an extra half an assist. 
better shooting from the line, four percentage points, two extra points per game. He averaged 20 points per game over his final 20 games. Do I like him as a as a great player long-term? Not really. But as a guy who can maintain low 20s usage, maybe he can be a 17, 18-point scorer. You're not going to get much else from him. But the fact that he was able to take those assists, which was sitting at like one, one and a half for a big stretch, and end the season averaging three and a half over the last month, it's a big step forward. He's never going to be a big steals or blocks guy, but last year he averaged 0.6 steals. This year, over the last 12 games, 0.9. It's a big difference. And those, those little differences, it's hitting those extra threes. It's, he went from 0.9 threes last year to 2.1 this year. That's just increasing volume and hitting them at a better rate because he just didn't take them last year. And that was part of the skepticism. Like, what does he do? He barrels to the rim and he does everything inefficiently. But this year, he started, he doubled his three-point rate. He hit them at a pretty strong level as well, 39%. He upped his rebounds, his assists, his steals, his free throw percentage as the season went on. And he really started to turn it on. His advanced numbers are okay. 0.9 Raptor, not bad. Third on this team in EPM, 76th percentile, pretty good. Good wins, good estimated wins. He didn't rely upon a huge mid-range diet. Encouraging. Didn't turn the ball over. Doesn't get assists, really, but you know, improved it. Some real positive signs, I think, for Calden Johnson, who played a lot of minutes. He's only 22. I don't think he's ever going to be a big steals and blocks guy or a big assists guy or even really, like, what's his ceiling? Top 75, maybe, if he can continue this trajectory or even just continue that trajectory. But... I also look at this team and go, if they start to get good, your area of where do I replace is probably Calden Johnson's spot. I also think he's probably better as a four and he played a lot at the three. I think he's better as a four. So you know, where does you know, where does he improve next year? I think there is improve. I think he can, like this 17 and six, 18 and a half and six easily. 0.8 steals, one steal. Two assists, 2.6 assists. Like there's small changes. But they take him inside the top 100 if he does get there. And that'll be interesting to see. Darko actually really liked his improvement this year as well. Took some huge steps up after a really poor first half. He actually skyrocketed in the second half. And it's absolutely something to keep in mind. He was the guy that at the beginning of last season, 2020-2021, that I liked as a last-round flyer. He really disappointed most of the year. This year, I was pretty lukewarm on him. Like, he had taken with a last-round pick. But I need to see him do something apart from some scoring games. And he did it. After 40 games, but he did it. It took, took us a bit of time to get there. Devin Vassell is a guy that I like, and I'm really interested to see where he goes. I know people are pretty skeptical of him. I, I, I get, it's one of the players I get a lot of pushback on. Man, you love Vassell. Yeah, I, I do think he's going to be a really good player. He only played 27 minutes a night this year. He's still only 21. 12-4 and four with two, two assists and a steal. Average 0.6 blocks. Shot 43 and 84. 36% from three. They're not the greatest numbers, for sure. By the way, Calder, 91st in points leagues. Vassal, 131st. But I just... This is his first year starting, Vassal, and only started half the year. I think next year you go in and you pencil DeJounte and Vassal, there's your starters. All right? They're your starting backcourt. And Vassal is a guy that I think can go from a 36 shooter to a 39 shooter, to a 1.4 steals guy, to a player that averages 15, 5, and 3 with 1.5 steals and hit 2.5 threes per game. He'd only 1.9 this year. I do think there is significant improvement to come from him. Raptor, not bad for him. Negative 0.8, it's not great. But yeah, the, the the order of where these players sit, it's Pirtle, Murray, 
Trey Jones, Johnson, Vassell. Like they're their best group of players. Um, Vassell, again, 60th percentile EPM. Not bad. True shooting needs to work. That's where the improvement's got to come. I worry a little bit that he took more mid-ranges than getting to the rim. That's a hole in his game. But the majority of his shots came from three, unlike where DeJounte Murray was, where the majority came from mid-range. He needs to get to the rim more, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that. And he never gets to the line. That's the next step for Vassell. Having that confidence to be able to attack and to generate his own shots and scoring opportunities. Never going to be a great passer, I don't think. But the steal rate, the shooting, the scoring, I think he's going to be an impactful player for this squad. At this point, second-year guy, 21 years of age, having some really strong advanced numbers is a big positive in my mind. I didn't mention this before, but Kelden was a plus four on off. Jakob Perda was a plus 5.3. Vassell a plus 1.2. Like these guys, all you know, all of those core group, Murray, Johnson, Pirtle, Vassell, all positives in on off. That's a really, really important thing. The guys dragging them down are players like Lonnie Walker, Doug McDermott, Josh Primo. Like they're not part of their core at this point. So it's about finding guys to help those players out. And that's that's an encouraging sign, I think, for the San Antonio Spurs. It's also encouraging to know that betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. I'm recording this just after game one of the Grizzlies and Timberwolves series. I don't know how that series has gone. But I think when I did my preview, I had the uh, Grizzlies winning that in six and said, oh, the Wolves were a better team and they'll give them a shake. Well, hey, they gave them a shook. A shook. They gave them a shake. All right, let's see where that's going from here. And at Bet Online, you can check all of the odds for all of the games and all of that series and all of the other series as well. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Let's go to the next player. And this is where it drops off. Joshy Richardson. Spent most of his year in Boston, didn't do much. 25 minutes a night, 10 points, three rebounds, two assists, 0.9 steals, 44.89. Like just bleh. like totally fine sort of numbers. 222nd. Ah, Richie Benno for points leagues. Two for two, two, two. Like totally okay. Advanced numbers, okay. He has dropped off significantly. He showed flashes of ball handling and creation in Miami. He showed flashes of being a good three-point shooter and scorer. That's all gone now. I think at this point, he's a reserve. I don't know what they do with him in terms of how does he... If he's on $12 million for next year, how does he fit in? Yes, Murray Vassell. They could get a high pick and they get another wing play, which would be ideal. Primo would and Walker, yeah, guys in that mix there. I think he can be like a 20-minute rotation player, but I honestly just don't see any way that he jumps up. But again... Advanced numbers for him are, are solid. 62nd percentile for EPM. Good from the free throw line. Defensively, he held up pretty well most of the year. He just is fitting into his role now of being a solid rotation-ish sort of player. I think that's where where we've got to view him now. Like Not really taking any steps up. Plus 7.3 on-off in San Antonio is a huge number. Huge. He was really quite solid. So was Zach Collins, who played only 28 games, 18 minutes a night, averaged 8 and 5 with 0.8 blocks, 49 and 80. Now, Zach Collins, when he was in the draft, his fantasy numbers translated out of Gonzaga. Gonzaga, unbelievable. But he played like 19 minutes a night off the bench. We go, holy shit, these numbers are crazy. Can he ever be a great fantasy player? <clears throat> well, we saw him get a start for about four games and then 
hurt his shoulder and out for the season, then break his foot and out and break his foot again and break his foot again. And we've never really seen it. But again, to be 185th in category leagues playing under 18 minutes a night is testament to exactly what we saw for him coming out of college. Is that, holy shit, he can put up numbers in limited minutes. Would you ever want to trust him to be a full-time starter? I don't think you'd go into the season without being your plan, but I think if it ended up having to do it, he'd be okay. I don't think he can actually play next to Pirtle. The three-point shot just hasn't come along for him. 34% but limited attempts. And they need a four. Like, Murray Vassell Johnson. McDermott? No. Collins? You know, I, I, think he's, I think he's a five. But yeah, where, where does he ever become a starting center? Would he be a better starting center than the guys in Charlotte? Maybe. How would he look as a starting center in Memphis instead of when Stephen Adams retires? I don't know. There's some very interesting things with him. His advanced numbers weren't great offensively, especially really, really struggled in that area, um, especially on Raptor. On um, EPM, he's okay, sort of middle of the pack. Hit only 34% from three, didn't really take many of them and didn't finish well at the rim. There's a lot of efficiency issues there, but rebounding was good. Blocks were good. Um, LeBron really liked him as well, but again, he only played the 500 minutes. He was also a plus 2.4. Again, a really strong indication, especially when the guy in front of him is also a plus. Like for them both to have positive on-offs is really impressive. Really weird, but really impressive. And he's 24. I just don't know. Getting a full season under his belt next year will be key. And to see how they use him, he should be the first backup there. Maybe he can play 20 a night. Maybe they try a little bit of combination with him and um, and Jakob. And it'll be very interesting to see if it works. He's someone I wouldn't write off. I was I was out on him, to be honest. Look, I was massively in on him as a rookie with the upside, right? But I find it really hard to trust players coming back from three broken feet in a row, seven seven footers who had a previous shoulder surgery. It's like I don't I don't know how I can have any faith in this happening. Maybe the stats can still be there, but how do I have any faith in him? And he played well when he returned. The the next thing is staying healthy and and being being that guy. He did not play next to Yucca Pertle at all. So just beware, they did not play a single second together. Actually, that's not true. They played one possession together this season. So, you know, I think we have to take that out of our mind of being a possibility. Let's talk about Lonnie Walker, a player who all of the stats versus the eye test will heavily disagree. Spurs fans will be like, some Spurs, no, we can't let him go. Lonnie, he's going to get there. He's going to get there. Whereas other people are like, my God, what are we doing with this bloke? He's 23. He's had four years in the NBA. He is one of the worst fantasy players you'll find, 265th ranked player. He got 23 minutes. He averaged 12 points. And like every other year, he shot poorly. 41%, 78 from the line, 31 from three. He offers no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. When do we give up? I've given up. I gave up. Started before last season, pretty much. Advanced numbers, poor, again, Big negatives, well below league average in in most, if not all, fantasy, or not fantasy, most all advanced numbers. LeBron, EPN, EPM, Raptor, negative in all of those. Um, I don't believe Darko particularly likes him. No, Darko is well down on where Lonnie Walker sits. I got him like as a, at a horrible level and yeah, like negative 2.1, which is a really bad number. That's 432nd in the league. They really hate him. Um... Lonnie Walker's on-off was a negative 3.7. I just failed to see what's good about him. Yeah, 
He's a hooper. He's got a bag. He can occasionally have those games. But the point, the problem with eye test or watching highlights or bag players or hoopers or pure basketball players or whatever nonsense wankers like, insert you know the bloke I'm talking about here, name in here, will say is that we don't talk about the games where he goes one of 10 or one of three and offers no defense, no passing, no ball movement, no positioning and doesn't know what he's doing. And I I just, four years in, I don't really think that he's going to figure it out. Like someone like Malik Monk, four years in, the Hornets gave up on him, really did some good stuff in LA. But I think I would say that Monk had a better career in Charlotte than Walker's had in San Antonio. Showed way more flashes. I just don't know what Lonnie brings. You need to put the ball in his hands a lot with big usage and big minutes to return anything viable. And why would you want to do that? You wouldn't. And that's probably going to leave him to never being a good fantasy player or an impactful NBA player in my, in my mind. Sorry, Lonnie. Dougie McDirt. Played just way too much for my mind. 30 minutes a game. Not true. He's 30. He played 24 minutes a game, 51 games, ended the season with an ankle injury. 11 points, two threes. He is an elite three-point shooter, 42% on threes. But he is, like Lonnie Walker, one of the worst fantasy producers you'll find. He's actually worse. He gets no assists, 1.3 per game. No steals, 0.3. No blocks, 0.1. Never gets to the line. Does absolutely nothing. This is I just wanted them to go Derek White at the two, Vassal at the three, Johnson at the four. Yes, your three-point shooting is a little bit off and McDermott really helps there. But I don't know what the point of it was, to be honest. I get I like the Pops embracing shooting. I like the Pops embracing a little bit of small ball, but I don't think McDermott is the answer to that. His advanced numbers are not good. Like, He's one of the worst defensive players in the entire NBA, according to nearly every advanced stat. Second percentile for defensive EPM. Like, It's really bad. Shot the ball fantastically, no problem. Everything else, horrific. Just contributes nothing in any other area at all. He's LeBron, the second worst on the team. He's on-off, negative 4.8. The shooting is all well and good, but is it though? Like, that is literally all he's doing. And obviously, we're not caring about him for fantasy. Probably only a couple of players we need to really talk about here. Trey Jones, I really like him. 22 years of age, 17 minutes, 6-2 and 3, half a steal, 49-78. And we saw, DeJounte goes down, Trey steps up. I won't say the team doesn't miss a beat, but he's still really good. And if you were a team that was looking for a starting, I'm trying to think what team has a point guard that's bad. Washington. Like, if you had Trey Jones instead of Ish Smith or Hal Neto, you'd be laughing. Absolutely rolling it. If you had him versus Alec Burks in New York, yes, they've got quickly, but they were starting Burks. I think good value there. Um, I, think he's a, I think he's a really good player. Um, and if Trey Jones played for the Lakers instead of Russell Westbrook, would they have been better? Yes. Up for you, up for you to decide. Yes. I think he's going to be, he's never going to be a top 20 point guard. He's probably never going to be a top 50 fantasy player. But defensively, offensively, I I like what he brings. I really like what Trey Jones can bring. The shooting, 20% from three, horrific. 53% mid-range, great, but prone to reducing. I just think there is a lot to like about how he can improve. He might never become a starter, but he's always going to be a guy that if he starts, the numbers will be strong. I think there is a top 120 season for him in the future somewhere. Somewhere. Hopefully. Um, Keta Bates-Diop. Yeah, look, he, he played. He's a rotation guy. On a good team, he isn't a rotation guy. I don't think there's much to say there. 
Let's look at Joshi Primo. Still 19. He doesn't turn 20 until Christmas. He's very young. He started a lot of games towards the end of the year. Ended up with 19 minutes, 6 points, 37%, 75%. 1.6 assists. Nothing what he did this year from a statistical point of view makes you go, yeah, look, I'm excited. Like The statistical stuff is not great. The fact that he was able to start games, start games in the playoffs, move ahead of Lonnie Walker, Pop having a bit of an eye for the future, I think he's really important. He's, again, his advanced numbers are actually really bad. And that's the case for a lot of rookies. I still didn't like the pick in the draft, and I still think that guys like Vassal are significantly ahead of him and going to be significantly better players. Primo showed a little bit of ball handling, a little bit of defensive stuff, like a guy that might struggle offensively with scoring and shooting, but can bring it in assists and steals. There is a little bit to look at there. And again, I would love to see Primo, Vassal, Johnson as their 2-3-4, or get another upgrade at the 4 or whatever, an upgrade there. But go into the season with that combination, which is what they did down the stretch, I think he's really, really interesting. Things started to come on for Primo. Towards the end of the year, he started to improve a little bit. He has a long way to go, obviously. Um, offensively, he, he does really struggle. Um, but a little bit of a flash there with some of the ball handling stuff. Playing off ball was important. And I would put a little bit of value in him dynasty-wise, not massive amounts, a little bit of value. But no, it's, it's all going to be about how the role translates moving forward. They've also got Romeo Langford, who honestly, I'm, I'm not, no, he's just not ever going to be a good fantasy player. Yeah, that's years in Boston, years in San, or year in San Antonio. He's just not going to be good. 16 minutes, four points. Can defend okay, sure. But offensively, it's a complete disaster. Like it's Matisse Thibel levels of disaster. Probably worse, but his defense isn't good. If you look at his EPM, like he's a 7th percentile offensively, 88th defensively. That's like Chris Dunn type stuff. And I'm just, I don't think there's a, an NBA roster spot that's just going to be there for him continually based on that. I, I just think that offensively, it's just too hard to play him most of the time. Um, didn't look at Primo's on off, which I should have. Negative five. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Who had the worst on off on this team? out of the regular contributors. Man, remember Tyler Johnson played for this team? I don't. It's weird looking at the... Thomas Sadoransky played here. Remember that? Um, all right. Who else do we need to talk about on this squad? Jock Landau, Joe Wieskamp. Wieskamp's a guy that maybe could develop into a Dougie McDermott. Only shot 33%, but I'd expect 39 40% in the, his future. Not sure what else he's going to do, but he's at least someone there is a little bit to like there. And same with Landau, but Landau's 26. He'll be the third string center on this team. If he comes back, I wouldn't get uh, massively excited there. But I thought he showed a little bit in the time that he was on the court to make us think, hey, he could at least be a backup center somewhere in the NBA. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb us up and leave a comment down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.